Like when people are in agreement of how the past went and what was said and what was not said, I don't think this technology matters or makes any uh, makes any difference. But if there is a disagreement, um, like you, this story was like questioning whether or not having the absolute truth makes a difference or makes the conflict better or helps resolve the conflict when in fact like you should just talk it out try to understand each other try to understand what's going on instead of pulling up evidence around like this is the hard fact um welcome to the crazy wisdom podcast today i have a special guest and a special interview as part of a series i'm doing called the crazy wisdom book club uh, today i interviewed laura behrens Wu, the ceo and co-founder of shippo an interesting company that's helping e-commerce platforms do their shipping. Um, and we talked about a book called Exhalation by Ted Chiang. It's a science fiction novel about the role that technology is playing in our lives and the continued influence it's having. It's a little bit like Black Mirror, but a little bit less dystopian, a little bit more nuanced. It shows both the positive sides and the negative sides. If you haven't read this book, I highly recommend it. It's definitely gives me some insights that I haven't had before into technology and what might potentially come out of it. Uh, fiction is a really interesting vehicle for us to understand what's happening in our lives and what's what might happen in the future, particularly science fiction. You know, there's that trite, uh, the, the trope that most of what has happened in technology was predicted by science fiction authors. Um, and so I, I'd put this book up there with the with with the greatest maybe not as good as philip k dick but pretty good um and laura has some really interesting insights if you like uh, this podcast if you like the other podcasts i'm doing um i'm writing a short newsletter a daily newsletter that really gives poignant insights into things you might not have thought about ways of looking at things that you might not have seen before and kind of giving people some insights from the daily creation of content that I'm doing, the daily creation of, um, of things that are valuable for people. So uh, if, if you're interested, if you've found value from, from this podcast, then I highly recommend you go check it out, stuartalsop.substack.com. Uh, please subscribe. Please let me know what you, what you think. Um, I'm gonna, it's a free newsletter for now. I am going to add some extra content for paid subscribers in a few months. But right now I'm just doing it for free. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Please let me know your thoughts. Um, I'm at Stuart Alsop, III on Twitter. Uh, so I'd love it if you could let, let me know what you think. Um, have a great day. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, we're doing a special series today where I'm interviewing somebody about a book that they're reading. Uh, and today we did Exhalation by Ted Chiang. Uh, and I'm interviewing uh, Laura Behrens Wu, uh, CEO and co-founder of Shippo. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was really excited by the idea that you're going to read the book with me and I could just tell you what book to read. So I was looking forward to that. Um, so a little bit about myself before we start talking about the book. Uh, my name is Laura and I started a company called Shippo. And what Shippo does, it's kind of in the name already, we help our customers ship their products. So our customers are e-commerce stores. Every single e-commerce store needs to ship. Shipping is hard and complex and it's something that our customers are not excited about figuring out so uh, they use us and we help make sure that their packages get out of the door they get the best shipping rates and everything is smooth that's great so um, 
so this book was just perfect. It was like such a such a great book for what I'm trying to do. Although it's it's fiction and it's not nonfiction. And uh, usually I interview people about nonfiction, and that with that w with that I'm trying to get basically to the juice of the story. So somebody doesn't actually have to read the the book itself. But but today we're doing a fiction book, and so I don't want to give a lot of spoilers away. But we are going to give some spoilers away. So if yeah. you haven't read the book and you don't want to figure out what the what the book's about, uh, maybe uh, read it first and then listen to this. Yeah. But what we're going to go through is kind of the themes, and this is like a science fiction book. How would you describe this book, what it does? Ooh, I think in terms of, so I want to start off by saying like I, I sat down and I read the book in one sitting. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> but it was also because I was stuck on a plane. Uh, but what I typically do is like I save the best kind of content that I really look forward to for long plane rides mm -hmm. so um, that my plane rides are a little less daunting. And in terms of like what Ted Chiang is writing, I wrote, uh, I read his previous collection of stor short stories a few years ago that was, um, I think it was called The Story of Life and Others. And that was turned into a movie called The Arrivals. So it was all about oh. that. And when this book came out, um, I don't think he publishes a lot of short stories. And I also think that short stories, especially short sci-fi stories, are kind of the hardest to write mm. because you need to put a lot of, like you need to put an entire story arc into uh, a few pages like mm -hmm. one of his short stories is only five pages long in that book a few short stories are I guess a hundred or more pages long but he's able to like make you feel things in a very like condensed amount of pages mm -hmm. and I, I really respect that um, I think so he and like the, the the themes that he's talking about like while it's fiction it is very applicable in my mind to like real life especially as we think about technology he has um, like philosophy questions in there mm -hmm. about free will determinism um, like your decisions truth. yeah truth <laughs> um, how you make decisions and how that affects your life and like regret about those decisions that you've made but also I don't know he's talked one story is about AI and whether AI has free will um, how we're supposed to interact with AI and, and uh, respect their decisions. So I feel like there is a lot of stuff in there that's just, um, while it's packaged in a short story that's really easy to read, it kicks off just deeper thinking, um, both about philosophy and about just modern technology uh, questions. And um, that's that's why I'm, I'm really into it. I also think like sci-fi recently has been quite dystopian um, and like it's become popular, dystopian sci-fi has become popular. There's Black Mirror and everyone like talks about that. These are pretty terrible and bleak uh, descriptions yep. of, of a potential future. And I feel like Ted Chiang is a little bit more nuanced. Like he doesn't paint a picture of like the future is completely bleak and dark and terrible and, and technology has caused that. It's more, it's, it's less black and white. It's more nuanced about there is a new technology and things have changed for the better but also for the worse but it's kind of let for the to the reader to decide or make their own judgment whether or not they they think it's a better future or a worse future it's not like things are exploding and everything's going down um and i haven't really seen a lot of sci-fi that uh is able to have that nuance um yeah so that's these are the first thoughts that come to my mind when i think about ted chiang also 
He is one of the few Asian sci-fi authors. Mm. Um, so I, I love reading his stuff. I love reading uh, Ken Liu and um, the Three Body Problem author, mm. I think, Xi Sing. Um, I forgot. Yeah, Lu Xiu Chang. Yeah, something so, like yeah, that. Um, we should look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, um, I was really excited. And um, I think it was, it lived up to the expectations. Mm. And I think before we started the podcast, the two of us were chatting about just like how excited I was to be able to recommend um, a fiction story, a fiction book, because in, in Silicon Valley, I do feel like everyone's all about self-optimization. When you have free time, you should be reading about how to be better, ha harder, faster, stronger. And while mm -hmm. all of that is great, um, I, I do think fiction stories and sci-fi stories they fulfill, at least in my life, a special purpose of allowing me to take a little bit of a break, go on a vacation into like another world. Um, I'm in my living room, I'm not going anywhere, but like the stories are so all-consuming that they let me forget about what's happening in at work and real life, um, any kind of stress that's going on, but I'm just like absorbed into, into the story and the world. And um, I get to like fill in the blanks of reading the words, but also imagining what the world would be like that he's describing. Mm. So, yeah. so yeah, there's tons of stuff I could go in there and this is making me think that I want to also interview for my other podcast, which <laughs> talks about creativity and stress and all, yeah. a whole bunch of other philosophical stuff. Uh, but I want to get into the book and yes. I want, what, what is your favorite story from this book? Yeah. Um, I think it's, it was hard for me to pick one favorite story. If I had to pick the favorite story it was the one about, um, truth and facts versus truth and feelings it was interesting because um without giving too much away it's it's that there are two stories in that short story one is set in the past and one is set in the future and both of them are like the protagonists are grappling with understanding like what does what does is there an absolute truth um how and and how do they deal with truth when interacting with other people. Um, so that was quite thought-provoking. Well, and it's also the, the nature of technology. Mm -hmm. And so the written word was a technology. Most people don't think about it as mm -hmm. a technology because it's something that's been ingrained in human yeah. civilization for so long. But uh, And this story goes basically into a tribe that had, that had writing brought to it by a European um, mm -hmm. group. And then it goes into another story later on where there's a new technology that we may actually have soon enough. And this is actually very interesting because we're doing a podcast. Yeah. And this, what we're doing is we're now making this conversation uh, truth. There is a yes. record of our conversation yes. that nobody can deny, basically. Yeah. But it's, if this recording device wasn't here, yeah. uh, no, it would be up to our subjective opinions as to what actually happened in this, in this conversation. Yes. And so this is a new form of technology that is changing how humans kind of uh, relate and and also the nature of truth and and this is one of the beautiful parts of this book was and this chapter was that there's a in in the first story with the tribe there's they have two ways of talking about truth mm -hmm. there's one one way which is what the feeling what is right uh, yes. and what a person would say like what is the the background to what they're saying and whether that's right or wrong or, or it, but it's more nuanced than that and then there is the the actual way of describing what the details of the scene and stuff like mm -hmm. that and like what and what color was the table what color yes. was the chair and all these different things and 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 those 
with writing, we can now get that we can get that part, the details, but we can't get the emotional flavor to the conversation. Yeah. What do you think about of that? Yeah, I mean, as we we're just talking about the the recording device, like the first thought I had. Well, we talk about like. I don't, I don't want to bring in any to politics, but like a politician said X, Trump said X, and then he said he didn't say it, and we looked, there is a recording of it, and he said it, obviously he said it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's, it's what, I, what I liked about um, the short story was, it is quite, um, like these problems are contemporary. Mm. We're struggling with these problems right now. Um, like th something has been captured, we have like evidence, and then there's the interpretation of what they actually meant. And there, there seem to be I, I, like multiple interpretations, but the recording makes it hard to dispute. So um, I think what I mostly, like what I really liked about this was, it was uh, like the short story was applied to situations and conflict like when people are in agreement of how the past went and what was said and what was not said i don't think this technology matters or makes any uh, makes any difference but if there is a disagreement um like you this story was like questioning whether or not having the absolute truth makes a difference or makes the conflict better or helps resolve the conflict when in fact like you should just talk it out try to understand each other try to understand what's going on instead of pulling up evidence around like this is the hard fact mm -hmm. um, the so you were just retelling parts of like one part of the story I think the other part of the story where they look into the future is there's a guy um, and he has memories about the past and, and how he relates to his daughter and um, then there is this technology that he can use to like access his his past and like look at how it exactly went and he realized that actually the way he remembered these conflicts are not how they really happened and his memories have been uh, biased by what what he wants to believe um, and then there's the question of if we pull up this hard evidence like he's faced with this hard reality and now he's trying to to adjust to it and I was wondering like let's say I'm having an argument with with my friend and like I forgot that I said something and they'd be able to pull up this evidence of like, I actually did say this. Um, how would I react? I'm like my emotional, the, I think my prediction is I would not feel better about this human mm -hmm. if they're able to pull up this to like just prove me wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, in the, and we'll give a spoiler away here, is, yeah. that, is that at the end he actually pulls up the conversation which he had had an idea of going a particular way and then he pulls it up and realized that it was the exact opposite of the way that he thought. Exactly. And, and earlier in that story he had talked about how when he's, um, when he's writing, it's like He's writing about this about this technology in a way of like explaining to people how it's going to be how it's going to affect their lives. And in that explanation, he's like, "This will make relationships worse mm -hmm. because he'll because people will have an argument and then and then basically bring up the, those things and see, hey, look, I proved to you this is wrong. Yeah. Uh, but then in some other ways, it could actually be like that the the people are um, uh, that the people use it as a way of saying oh we're both wrong yeah. and like let's improve our relationship because the truth is is that we're both wrong and making up all these stories so it's yeah. like could go either way for for ha it could and this is ties into the other story too of the the last story which is um is that is that free will that we can um the way we act like this technology 
is creating inputs into our lives that's maybe changing our mm -hmm. behavior, but then it, it then goes back and changes our behavior with technology. So it's really weird because this yes. is the big question that I have is whether technology is actually changing anything in human lives or whether it's just kind of repeating the same things over and over again, different, like we have these problems, but they're more expanded. It's, I'm not saying this exactly mm. right, but basically that, so let's go into yeah. the last story about free will yeah. and about, about they developed this quantum technology that allows you to make a decision, split off the decision into two different realities and then communicate with the other reality what's going on in that other reality and actually send videos between the two realities with slightly different changes and stuff like that. So this gets into the nature of, of free will and whether um, we can see there's another reality with different behaviors that we would have had in that other reality and we actually know about that other reality so that mm -hmm. it, it goes back into our into our lives we that's input into our lives that changes our behavior yeah uh, what do you think about that one yeah I love that short story because it's it's talking about uh, decision-making but it's also bringing in uh, the question of parallel universes whether those exist and I've, I've actually been like it's a thought that I've had for a while. Like I make decisions like as an entrepreneur or like as any human, I've been making decisions in the past and like in the moment that decision seemed inconsequential, it seemed small. But looking back in time like this caused a whole lot of other things to happen that wouldn't have ha happened otherwise. And it kicked off a chain reaction and it got me to where I am today. Sometimes it's like about meeting a person that that person significantly changed my life. Sometimes it's just being at the right place at the right time. So like I've been thinking about what are some of the key decisions that I've made in my life that, that um, really impacted where I am today. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, these aren't even things that seem to be positive in that moment so like not getting into a certain school for example that was devastating for me at that time um but like if i did get into that other school where would i be today and i'm, I'm actually very happy with where i am right mm. now so even when when bad things happen what i try to do now is like zoom out and think about well it's a it's it's bad right now but it's a puzzle piece that could lead into a bigger picture and i'm not just not seeing that bigger picture today and no one has access to the future so exactly. no one no one can know exactly yeah. where these decisions will end up yeah and everything like i guess that. no one has access to the future that's what we think i think in the book they're also talking about determinism mm -hmm. and that actually the entire future is laid out and that no decision that you make will <laughs> will influence that because it's, it's all laid out for you but i think that's a, that's a separate story <laughs> so to just keep talking about this one um i so i, I like the thought about parallel universes um that you're able to talk to each other i think that's the twist here that you're mm -hmm. able to see if Communicate i didn't between the two exactly lines of, yeah. mm -hmm. if you didn't make that decision or if you just made a different decision your life would have turned out differently and then it affected the protagonists in that story by being depressed or jealous or or uh lethargic because they they didn't feel like they they were jealous of their other selves um, and there was no one else to blame but themselves mm -hmm. and I think that was really the, the hard part for these humans and then they go into these support <laughs> the support groups and, yeah. they, and they talk about it how they're actually having issues like addiction issues yes. with, with going into the other futures and seeing how these little decisions affected their lives and stuff yes. like that yeah and I think the the uh, solution is you like turn off the device you just focus on yeah. yes you throw it away you just focus on on which this. is the same thing we're having about technology itself is yeah. like instead of having this phone around me the, now the solution is to get the hell away from the phone or like put it into something. Yeah. Well, but yeah. It, to, to your earlier question, 
I think I would argue, or, or let's, I'm not sure if I would argue that, but like some people argue your phone is not actually changing your behavior, as you said, it's just assisting you in the way mm-hmm. you're living. Mm-hmm. Um, I think hmm, it's a, it's a interesting one because mm-hmm. I guess it amplifies like social media. It's all about signaling. We've been signaling all along, like through evolution, but now it amp- amplifies that. We're able to signal to more people. Well, um, wait, wait. So, so part <laughs> of it is about signaling and part yeah. of it is about expression. Because yeah. uh, some people want to express their lives to other people. And this is a, a very interesting thing that I learned when, in like seven years ago when, when it was really that rise of Facebook and, and before mm-hmm. Instagram and stuff like that is that we have our idealized self yeah. and, and that's, the play, that's the thing we give to, to, to Facebook and, yeah. and we, we idealize that. All that, that has now changed because of this interaction with humanity and adapting to technology yeah. that affects. Now people are more real on Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's the there's the idealized, and then there's the actualized self, and that's when Snapchat yeah. came around because that's the self you could send to somebody because you knew that it would disappear, yeah. which goes again oh, to this to this to this recording that we're mm-hmm. recording our lives, and that we're in that to signal, um, to signal you have to have a, a recorded thing uh, to express yourself. It doesn't need to be recorded, uh, and that actually mm-hmm. might 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 take away from that expression if it's recorded because you can't be your true self because you worry about all these things. I, I yeah. doesn't care to, doesn't matter to me apparently, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if like, if you want to follow the teachings of, of, I guess, Buddhism, the path to enlightenment is to like get rid of all of these earthly belongings, mm. go move to a monastery somewhere in the mountains, just meditate and like detach yourself from, from, well, all sorts of attachments, all sorts of relations, uh, connections. Mm. So I think there, there are these extremes, and we are right now learning how to, how to integrate new technologies into our daily lives. And I think at the same time, these innovations are coming faster than ever. They're faster than our human biology can adapt to. Well, yeah. until until we start to merge with technology, and then it speeds yes. up our ability to adapt to the technology itself. Yes. That is that is a very interesting thought. There was no short story in this book that was about this, but I've read other short stories. We that, can go into yeah. it. Let's not. You know, yeah, this, is, this is a conversation about technology and the way that it's impacting our lives and, and the feedback loop between those two things. So go yeah. for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I think Neuromancer was the last one I read uh, where people were integrating uh, technologies into their bodies and becoming just more performant, uh, an assassin was becoming deadlier, uh, people were smarter. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. And then the question is like, where, where do we stop being human? Or mm-hmm. what does it mean to be human? Well, but in, well, that's a very good question. Yeah. And, and <laughs> humanity has created these things. So yes. you can't, so a lot of people make the distinction between nature and what humans create. But mm-hmm. humans are part of nature, so yeah. everything that we create is part of nature. And this oh, gets into into something that I, I've been thinking a lot, which is that uh, we are headed for the next step of evolution. The, the, mm. the same process that created us is still in effect today. A lot of humans like to think, because in the 1800s or whatever, we, we one uh, one part of humanity started to say, okay, we're 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 now civilized and and we've got this technology mm. and stuff like that, and we're now separate from this thing because God created us and God, you know, whatever. So then, but it's all part of it. It's all part of nature. This whole system that's that's happening is is affecting us, and technology is a key part of that. Mm. Um, and so we're entering the next stage of what 
Elliot Pepper calls the age of acceleration, yeah. uh, where we're, and also what other people call the sixth extinction, where the rest of life is, is starting to, to disappear. Um, and, and, but that's a new, we're headed into something new, and technology obviously plays an important part of that. And it's, um, yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's an age of acceleration. And in these times of great change, it's also an age of great stress. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, so technology is, is, is contributing to a larger sense of stress. But where it ends, I mean, it probably, it, to me, it's probably going into a place where we're, we're merging with technology. And the very mm-hmm. nature of, of life might change the principles of life. Like, what happens if we merge with technology and then somehow we figure out the secret to consciousness and, and, and the brain and, and what it makes to something to human and then we transfer that into the computer mm. and then space, physical space itself doesn't really matter anymore and then it's about virtual space and then we can send ourselves off on a, a micro trip into, the, into yeah. the center of the universe and, and like yeah. life still exists but it's, it's yeah. that's, but that, that rests on the question of whether whether consciousness is dependent on something material uh, yes. which is a deep deep philosophical question and it it ties into one of the other short stories in that book it was actually one of the longer more fleshed out ones um, where humans developed digital pets Mm. and were able to train digital pets teach them and then the question became like when do these digital pets when do they become smart enough to be able to make their own decisions and have their own uh, free will and become uh, sentient and why do pet owners Mm. get to make those decisions for them so I think and, and I don't think that is overly far off, the question about AI becoming smart enough to make decisions. Right now, they're limited to whatever like purposes they were built for. But um, when does it become... Those limits don't need to be there forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing I loved about that story was that he... He approached it from a way that I'd never heard about before, which is that we train, yeah, we train technology, yeah. and we train it with love in the same yes. way we train a kid. Yes. Uh, and which is funny because I didn't just made this connection now, which is that a neural network you're training the neural network to do something. Yeah. And so let's say that intelligence gets more. Uh, we have the next step of whatever neural network is, and that we have to actually put our love and our and mm. our like energy into actually training this this sentient maybe sentient being Mm -hmm. to do something but those but we can't tell what it's going to do because it's kind of off on its own it's going to go back in free Mm -hmm. will and like what consciousness is what what a human what an individual is and like how do you train it and then and then the story gets into if there is something like this then you have to give it rights uh and what are those rights and is it different than an animal or is it the same thing as a human what what do you think (laughs) i think we like in that sense humans are very similar to to what you were describing like a neural network we get inputs we learn mm. from our reactions and then it shapes our our like our personality next time we are going to react differently based on what we've experienced in the past so it's a it's a like training data comes in and we learn from from that and we learn as a child then things become more set as you grow up uh, maybe you revisit update your mental models later on maybe you don't um, but I like I do think that theoretically humans are able to like revisit and update their mental models mm-hmm. periodically or forever if they're conscious of, of these mental models existing um, so, yeah no go for it yeah I didn't have anything to say <laughs> no, I, mean, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was just about to say that this is something that um, I have realized recently that a lot of my behavior, or like there are certain patterns in my behavior, and it, it 
most of them are based on either some sort of experience I've had in the past, some mental model I've formed around the world or about myself. And once I've, uh, as soon as I'm able to like call out mm-hmm. that mental model, I'm able to and uh, go back and uh, no, go forward and change that behavior next time. And this is the thing that I've been learning in my own personal life is that mental models, it's not the mental models that I'm aware of that are the issue mm-hmm. when it comes to behavior and whether it's making mistakes. It's the mental models that I'm not aware of, but that I'm that are operating my life yeah. basically. Those are the ones that. And how do you find those? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a lot of these mental models they might not be like they're holding you back. Probably mm-hmm. they might not be yeah. up to date anymore. Um, so one of the analogies I, I like the most from an executive coach I used to work with um, is. So he told me the story about um, the Japanese soldiers that were sent to guard the offshore islands close to Japan. And the war was over, but Japan didn't have the means to like go and find these soldiers. So the soldiers were left on these deserted islands. They're not, not knowing that the war was already over. They were still there to guard the islands. And um, the, he's comparing, my executive coach is comparing the mental models that we have to these lonely soldiers because um, there was like, at some point of time, these soldiers were there for a reason. You had these mental models for a reason. And now you're a different person. Uh, the war is over. You don't need to protect yourself from whatever anymore. You might have been bullied in school, but you're not being bullied today. So a few of your behaviors, they might be, they're not up to date. And you need to come to terms with the reality is different. Um, your set of behaviors served a purpose in the past, but it's not serving a purpose today anymore. And it's about time to like, Move, move on, Up, update, yeah, update yeah. The model. Yeah. yeah. But even that word, update, is... It's, it's from it's, technology. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man, all right. So, there, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different places we could go with this. Um, what is the theme in this book that is most relevant to your life and, that, and your... Uh, work uh, like so you're in technology mm-hmm. you're you're around all these other people building yeah. these technologies you're building the technology yourself uh, you're, you're in it and, yeah. the, and he's talking about where these themes going uh, how how is this going to affect your life and how like yeah so I have a few different perspectives on that I think there's there's my private life that's independent from my work and there um The first short story, he's talking about decisions that you've made in the past that you can't really change the future. And I I really, it's a simple, it's a, Mm. it's a simple uh, conclusion, but it was really, it was packaged into really like beautiful beautiful story. So I I like that. Um, It's in line with, I think, the kind of optimism that you need as a founder that you're moving forward. Um, There might be regrets about mistakes that you've made, but Mm. like, that the the situation is the way it is, but let's look forward and and uh, work, or or looking having an outlook on, on life that's optimistic and um, realistic at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. And then the other one um, that is in a bunch of short stories is about determinism, and determinism. I think it's just it's just at odds with uh, the mentality as a founder that if you work harder, if you work more, um, if you make smarter decisions, if you self-improve, you're going to be able to affect the outcome mm-hmm. because uh, it says like everything is set in stone and you're, you're just walking down that path. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting question to think about. Like at some, when I think about like, there's, there's one moment in my life that I remember really clearly um, when I was for the first time in a third world country and I, for the first time as a child I was 
I think I was like six or seven years old, I realized that there are kids begging on the street. And the question in my mind was like, why are these kids begging on the street? And I'm here with my family having a really good time. And there is nothing that I did to affect being born into this family, right? This was given to me. And I could have very well also been born into that family that's now begging on the street. So um, I think there are elements in my life that, or in, in anyone's life that are just given to you. And that's, determinism but I do want to believe that there's things that I can do to to affect and influence my life and there is another short story in there that's about once once the protagonist realized that everything is determined he just gave up and like he wished he never knew that um, there was no free will because once he knew that there was no free will there was no point in living anymore. which is the thing that most people when they get go down this philosophy mm -hmm. path is they realize is that everything they've ever thought has been thought by somebody else and been written about yeah. uh, and that all of these questions of free will determinism and all of them have been grappled with for thousands of years and there is no answer there is a, yeah. it always comes down to an individual answer of like how much do you believe in free will and this actually gets into the sense of, of, of the, the biggest gap in philosophy that I, uh, that I've started to come uh, that I've been grappling with mm -hmm. for the last two years which is that I'm going to make some uh, uh, grave over simplifications here, but Buddhism is gets into the sense of self that there is no sense of self. Mm -hmm. They say they call it anatta. You can't point to one part of yourself and say uh, that's that's me. Mm -hmm. There's always yeah. uh, like it's always a just a whole. It's dependent on your environment. You know, I'm talking with you here. Mm -hmm. This self that I'm that I am would not come up if it weren't for this conversation. Yes. And then you get into the Hinduism, which is there is a self. It's not the little self uh, that, that is the steward of me. It's the big self behind that that is aware of that self. Uh, and so kind of big. And then, But then within these selves, it's like it's hard to say what is, uh, who is um, in control, who mm -hmm. has agency, what, wh wh which part of me has agency. And this gets into the psyche because this is something a coach has been talking about with me recently. I do believe that there is agency but when it comes to the psyche. So when we were talking about these mental models and stuff like that, yeah. we can, we ha it, it's basically a, what I believe is that it comes down to truth and the only agency that we do have is whether we accept the truth or not and move forward basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another point that I wanted to get to which is you were talking about which is, uh, Nope, we've lost it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It might come back to you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think my, my question, though, is like if I knew, even if I knew that everything was predetermined, I don't think my nature or my character would allow me to just sit back at home and like stop working because mm. and, and then but then that is predetermined as well. My nature and my nurture. I so it is it is this this weird loop of maybe I'm just stuck in in this because of my my nature and then all of my experiences that have led me to who I am right now um yeah and then well that kind of crazy thought brings me back to the the, the short story where when you make another decision you kind of do become a different person mm, because you yeah. um you get in like different kind of input um and then like the, the the last short story where parallel universes exist and where you were split out and there was this this uh 
side story in there that there was a guy who saw that his parallel self was fall, has fallen in love with a woman and they were having a very happy relationship so he sought out that woman in this life but they were different people because in, in that parallel universe they've taken different decisions diff- experienced different things and they fell in love and this universe is just creepy and it's not going <laughs> to work and, out no, and creepy because he brought the information from the other universe yeah. into the into the conversation as yeah, well yeah totally yeah yeah <laughs> This is a beautiful point about making decisions and 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 nurture in nature. And I've been reading this book, Behave, which we talked mm-hmm. about before, which gets into the the neurobiology behind behavior. Um, and and his clear point is that you can't separate anyone out. Like it, it's actually a, a very like it, se- it seems to me that he has a practice in Buddhism because he everything uh, it's inseparable. You can't so like your genes, you have your genes, and they kind of define the limits as to what your behavior will 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 what your behavior is capable of being, mm. but then the environment adds this level of complexity that is just crazy. Yeah. And you can't pinpoint and say, this is the nature, this is the nurture. It's like, they can't do it. It's yeah. you causal, like ask any scientist trying to separate the difference between, uh, uh, you, 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 correlation is not causation, yeah. basically. Yeah. No, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I was bringing, uh, last night, to warm up, I was reading a few other uh, Ted Chiang's short stories, and there's one short story that he wrote um, where people are, it's not in this book, it's in another book, where people are able to turn off their, their ability to um, know whether or not a person is attractive. And the society in that book wants to make sure that like people are not discriminated against looks. So they're turning that off and it's it's just so that everyone is being treated equally. Whoa. It was just a, a next evolution of like, we, we've eliminated uh, racism, sexism, and they call it lookism. So we're wanting to eliminate that as well. And that's then like totally changing of how we interact with each other. Whoa. <laughs> Did, and did he bring the same nuance to the thing? To that? To that? Go- yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So he's talking about the the good. Like there are people who are pro this, con this. There is a there is a almost like a government that wants to enforce it on everyone, uh-huh. and some people don't want it. Um, and so they're yes, bringing in all different perspectives. There's a girl who grew up with this and decides to turn it off, and then how she sees world. Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. That's really interesting. Wait, I'm I'm curious why I brought that up. What were we talking about beforehand? The term free will yeah behavior uh and neurobiology oh yeah i was talking about how um or the thought where this was coming from is um there is this limit in terms of nature how we're born but i do think we are now at the stage where maybe the next generation we're going to enhance this and and change our limits either in in terms of like drugs or or um like uh, physical enhancements um, like I don't know, uh, prosthetic or things mm-hmm. like that. DNA and yes. I mean everything. It, it's, so and this gets into a big question that I've been asking myself. I once had a, a coach who said that uh, principles principles are a thing that you can break yourself against, like you, you rather than changing. Basically, mm-hmm. they're they're unchanging principles of the universe. And that if you, you have to figure those out or else you're just going to run into something that will break you every time. If you think that you can mm-hmm. change reality, then you're, then you're going to go through a lot of suffering in life. Mm-hmm. And so, but nature, technology is now changing what we thought were principles. So yeah. it's, and, it, you know, the biggest one is death, that yeah. we're going to die. And, and some people are saying that technology will now change that so that's not a principle of life anymore that we that we must die yeah. although Yuval Harari gives a really good um, nuance to this which is that we won't become immortal we will become amortal so that that the natural ways that we we would die those we can solve but running into a bus hitting us will kill oh, us uh, yes. 
but even maybe that, maybe even that, if we can figure out the 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 the, the mechanics behind consciousness, and yes. we can upload it to a computer, maybe that principle itself is too. Like maybe there are no principles in life, and maybe technology is about to give us like we will become gods. We will now be able to to change the nature of, of reality. Yeah, wow, it's crazy thought. But yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. And like the 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 truth is, it does not seem that far off mm. what we're discussing yeah. right now. And well, and that's but that might be the hard part about being in San Francisco is that we can't separate ourselves from uh, because we're always surrounded by people and we're mm-hmm. we're we're plugged in a way that that uh, people outside this place are not. So it's it's hard to to figure it out. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we got maybe about uh, f- seven minutes left. Um, what was your least favorite story? My least favorite story. It's mm, a hard one. So I think, let me, I'm actually just taking a look at the list of short stories that we had. Um, uh, they, were, they were all good. I think I was quite struck by, it was not, it's not my least favorite. I just wish he expanded more on that. Mm. Um, the Great Silence is a very short story where he's talking about humans are looking outwards for uh, life and they haven't really realized. It's written from a perspective of a parrot, and the parrot in the story is sentient and is incredibly intelligent and is surprised at why humans are looking outward, like into space for life, when they're right there. And the parrots are going extinct, and um, it's it's sad. It's Mm. a sad story. Mm. Um, So that one I thought, it was very thought-provoking. I wish it was slightly longer, but at the same time, I'm admiring that he's able to bring up all these emotions in such a, in five pages. Like, it's just five pages long. I think that's that's pretty crazy. Um, oh, I guess now I do have an answer of what my least favorite story was. It was the second to last Omphalos. Uh-huh. Um, I just, like, I like that um, he tried to bring in, or is trying to bring in divine elements into sci-fi as well, like having a god. Um, I personally could not relate to it. As Did much. you read the notes afterwards about? Uh, there are notes at the uh-huh. end of the book where I did he not explains. Read them. So it's really interesting because yeah. this, the, the the I didn't get it until I yeah. read the notes, which is oh, the premise. The premise of that story was he went back. You have the Copernican revolution, which says that the sun is not is not revolving around the earth. The earth is revolving around the sun, and people had built their identities off the fact that mm. the whole universe was uh, was. Uh, based on them so it was a self-referential like and so he goes back and he says so what would let's imagine that it was like that that the principles of the universe did actually were based off of earth being the center of of thing and like what and so he goes into the actual physical um uh physics of what a what a what a what a universe would be like that and i can't remember the what the physics were i didn't actually understand a lot of the stuff that he was talking about but uh he he it was really interesting because they end up finding that there was another Earth that the that the that the universe surrounded around, and that that was the that was the yeah. that. So then they still had the same conscious. They still had the same crisis because they realized, oh wait, it's about that Earth. It's not about our Earth. Yes. It's about another Earth that the universe is surrendered around. Yeah. So it's like it had the same the same thing happened to them eventually. 
Wait, is that is is that like a mythic mythical story or like where's that story coming from? That was at the end of the story. Okay, was that they that they they found this other Earth and that they realized oh, that that was oh, that, yes. that that, that no, okay. the principles of the of the universe were surrounded around that Earth, oh, and not okay. this Earth. Okay, yep. okay, I think now I get it. Yes, yep. that makes sense. Yep. I do think that a lot of these short stories, including this one, are like the, the protagonists are trying to figure out like what is their purpose and. Um, what is the point of living mm. and it's all it's it's all somewhat um, it's coming from an external source in the story their point of living is because they're God's divine creation or their point of living is because they have they have uh, free free will, free will. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. and yeah I, I just found that to be fascinating thinking about where I want to go with this but I I do think like it's it's an interesting difference between some of these stories like I at least see myself as a creator and we're just talking about how we create the future how we're able to um, like change the limits of, of death for example or, or yeah, other aspects yeah, biology um, and that that the point of life is you know, if, if you're creating the future, there's always something to live for because mm. you're the one influencing mm. it. And I kind of like that way of thinking. And like back to your question about um, uh, work, I think one of the recent changes that I've, I've been trying to have in my mindset is that not things are happening to me or to us as a company and like the competitors doing X mm. and the industry's doing X, but I'm trying to think about what is it that I envision the, the industry to look like in the future and then what are the the milestones, the moving pieces that I need to put in place to for us to achieve our vision. And that's been a, in a huge just shift in mindset instead of being reactive. I wasn't like, wasn't in a victim mindset, but in a reactive mindset of, oh no, that's happening, this is happening. And now it's, yeah. Yeah. now it's mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to outline our path. And it's, it's also really, yeah, I, I, it's really helpful for the team as well to be rallying behind, like, this is our path. And like, we know if we get these things done, we're we're in a good position to like get to where we need to be and this is yeah yeah, this is key for anybody doing anything for creating anything like because you can't be referential towards what is going on outside and and you can't put yourself and say this is you know this is what the competitors are doing but that's like why do you think that is that that it seems to be universal that somebody creating something creates something and then because they're in something in an area which has something there other people start doing stuff mm-hmm. or they were already doing stuff or mm-hmm. and and why why but it doesn't that doesn't matter those mm-hmm. things don't really matter exactly. for what you're trying to do why but what, it's what what is it about humanity that, that or a human an individual that does that i think it's just you get so easily distracted yeah. um mm. it's it's the distraction other people talking about it look mm. at this look at that and then you are like if you have a vision most people are not sure whether or not that will actually happen, mm. right? And it's it's a fear. it's a fear. Yeah. It's maybe a little bit of doubt. Um, and then it's it, tying it back to Tetsuyang. It's like, what if I made that other decision? Would would my company now be bigger? Would we have reached it faster? Yeah. Uh, so you, you never know. Mm. 
Cool. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. I want to do this again. Uh, and uh, how can people find you? Um, so I'm on Twitter, just uh, first and last name. So it's at Laura Berenswu. Um, that's where I hang out the most. Yeah. Cool. And uh, Shippo, how can people find Shippo? It's at uh, goshippo.com. Cool. Yes. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoyed the other episodes I'm doing. If you're hearing these words, I imagine you went through the whole thing and, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you do, I release episodes every Monday and Friday, uh, pretty early in the morning, so it's before your commute. Please let me know what you think. I'm at Stuart Alsop III on Twitter, um, or if you subscribe to my blog at stuartalsop.substack.com, uh, I'd love you could respond to those to those newsletters with with your thoughts, your reactions, uh, how you feel about it. Um, hope you have a great day.